Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 560. This is the second part of a talk I had with designer Chris Bangle. A reporter asked uh, the king, Don Garlitz, so what do you think about this? You know, you, you just red-lighted away a world championship. And he said, well, you know, if you don't red-light every once in a while, you're not racing. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. I'll never worry again about having a dead battery with my NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in my glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that'll jumpstart a dead battery in my car, boat, truck, or RV. The Genius Boost features built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart any of my vehicles. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are built from solid copper for maximum conductivity. There's a built-in ultrabite dual LED flashlight with seven modes including an SOS and emergency strobe. I use my Genius Boost jump starter to charge my phone, tablet, and laptop while I'm on the road or if the power goes out in my home. The unit itself is easily rechargeable in my vehicle. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, the battery car source since 1914. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Now, I assume you've had so many proud moments. You've done so many just cool things in your life, but... Is there one in particular that stands out for you? Other than my 33-year marriage and my son. Uh, <laughs> well, those are to be commended. You and I have been married the exact same number of years, so I know the uh, effort and uh, joy that brings and the fact of having children. I've got two. My son just graduated industrial design degree from RISD. Compliment. He starts his first job today, actually, so uh, congratulations to Blake. Is there one thing in particular? I know that's a hard question to answer, but, you know, 558 people before you have done it, so I, I'm counting on you. Oh, well, you know, there's, there's big moments, small moments. Uh, uh, a wonderful tiny moment just happened not too long ago where the constructor of my, of our house here is an Italian bricklayer. And they, they work with us on every project as well. If I need to make uh, a model of a car in full scale, they'll build it out of wood for me faster than you can snap your fingers. Oh my God. Uh, they built everything from super yachts to spaceships here. Wow. And they have, they don't bat an eye. They just go in and do it. I ask them to make a mock-up and they'll do it. Well, uh, the other day he was complaining to me about one of his other clients who he's making a house for. And he said to me, you know, this guy wants a roof that is so odd and I made three mock-ups for him in full scale to show him how odd it was. And finally, he just didn't understand it. Well, when he told me this, I looked at him and said, you made three what? <laughs> he said, yeah, three mock-ups. I said, you made three mock-ups? I mean, I can't even imagine an Italian bricklayer coming up with the idea of a mock-up, yes. let alone using that word for it. But obviously, we've influenced this guy. And now he understands, if you really want to understand something, you make a full-scale model of it. And <laughs> it was a wonderful little moment of, yes. We've got these people, they're actually being influenced by the design culture. Very nice. I like that. That was, that was a sweet moment. I think so. Uh, you know, in the car world, however, I mean, as a design director, the cars that you've worked on are not objects as much as they are a compilation of people and experiences with people. 
And it's very difficult to have an objective opinion about them, in fact, because you don't see it as an object. You, you don't see it as a form when it's done and on the road. Uh, you see it as the history of all those those tears and those happy moments and, right. and sad moments and things like that. And and they're wonderful. There, there are hundreds of them. I suppose I had my own moments of pride I could be proud of, you know, that, that, that uh, some things happened that I wasn't uh, expecting to go my way, and they did. Mm -hmm. And when those moments happen, you, you kind of come home with an extra smile that day. But, you know, the next day you have to, you know, you're in the fire <laughs> again, so it doesn't really matter. Of course, know, of course. Well, at this point, I usually ask my guests about their first really special car, but I want to do something a little different with you here because you sent me a picture for your Cars Yeah show notes page on the Cars Yeah website of a very unique design. It's an arch. And when I first looked at it, I went, oh, you didn't send me a picture of him with a car. And then I looked down the base of the arch and I went, that arch is walking. What is going on with that? So could you tell our listeners a little bit about what I call the walking arch? Well, you did that right. Uh, I took a lot of liberty with your question, and I interpreted it to be a picture with you and your favorite car design. Design. So I, I threw the word design in there. Yeah, that, that sculpture is uh, Big Walking Arch number one, but around here it goes by the name of Big Archie. <laughs> and what happened was a number of years ago, uh, I was in Croatia with my wife on vacation. And vacation for, for designers is always hell. You know, you, you cannot, <laughs> what are you going to do, right? At I mean, the worst, you know, your wife takes your laptop away from you and you get out the paint set and then she takes the paints away and you get out the drive. Anyway, <laughs> she tells you to relax and you don't know how to do it if you're not actually drawing something or creating. Right. It's very, very difficult. But that, that Croatia is beautiful. I, I, I would advise anybody to go, to go experience it. It's a really wonderful spot. And they have lots of uh, Roman uh, artifacts there. there was, the Romans were there, lots of architecture. And they have some beautiful triumphal arches. And as I was drawing the triumphal arches, you know, one thing led to the other. And I thought, you know, these guys could use a little bit more pizzazz. What if we make one of them walk? Because they kind of look like they want to walk anyway. You know, they're either a giant pair of pants or, you know, what is it we're actually seeing with these things? So I suddenly began creating all kinds of illustrations uh, during my vacation. And when I came home, my team decided they liked them as well. And they encouraged me to make one into a sculpture. Mm. And we thought this would be really wonderful because the Venice Biennale was coming up. And the theme of the Biennale was the history of architecture. So this would be a really great way to, you know, make something that people would find captivating and inspiring. And as we began to make the sculpture... It took so long to do you know, the planning and everything like that, that my thoughts turned to what is it exactly we're doing here and why are we doing this? And uh, I took quite a while to analyze what's happening with this particular sculpture. And I realized it's car design. And because of that, I wanted to, to take some time to formulate what, what is car design to me and why something with no wheels can be car design. And to me, the, the personification through an object of a character is really what car designers do best. And when they're really doing it well, they do it so well that you look at it and you say, that thing is me. And because they don't rely on anthropomorphic tricks or other, let's say, uh, helps and cribs that come from other uh, genre, they keep their, their, their art form very pure. For instance, you know, I can tell you this is a Jaguar and you're going to look at that car and you're going to go, yeah, that's a Jaguar. Yeah, I see the feline kind of approach. I see this predator instinct to its, to its gesture. I see this whole crouching desire to speed forward with this muscular body. Yeah, it's a Jaguar. But there's no little nose or fuzzy ears or tail or, or any of that, right? Right. Because 
the designers of the Jaguar have been able to distill this character elements down into an object where the gesture is what's talking to you as opposed to the need to put little eyeballs on it and hands and feet as if it was, you know, a, a Disney cartoon or something. Got it. And I decided to, to take this experiment a step further or not experiment, that this philosophy a step further and say, what would happen if we created a world around a walking arch that was just things, things that were alive and we didn't give them hands and feet or eyeballs to make them like they were coming out of, you know, Beauty and the Beast or something. Mm -hmm. And we also didn't use gender gender helpers, gender identifiers, which is like, you, you know, you take a Mickey and you put a bow in his hair and he becomes a mini, right? This <laughs> kind of like instant feminine. Side. Yeah. Because quite honestly, I think a number of, uh, of women in particular, they're not offended by it, but they find it shallow. It, it doesn't allow a female character to, to really be a character in and of herself. She's always like the female version of. Mm. She just happens to have pump shoes and a necklace. <laughs> so in our in our world of Archiarch, the, the cartoon characters, we've developed things as beings that are alive and have spirit and personality and have adventure story. And by doing so, we wrote a whole backstory for this walking arch out there. So by the time we actually finished making the thing. It's four meters tall. It's made of reinforced concrete over a steel frame. It weighs tons. It's huge. Uh, you can, you know, on our website, you can see a little film of it being made. But in the meantime, we created um, a whole world around that of cartoon characters. And we share these now with the local school kids and they color them and we put them online. And so it's a, wow. it's a really fun hobby right now. And oh. to me, it's car design. I love the backstory. I love the philosophy, the concept, everything about it. So thank you very much because now those listeners that go to Cars yeah website and they look at that picture and they go, what is that? They'll understand. So I love it. Great. Well, let's talk about today and tomorrow. You have your own design firm now in Italy. You're living in this beautiful setting. You guys, sounds like you're uh, restoring and creating new environments for you, you and your team to work out of. What are you working on today that really has you excited and fired up? I really can't tell you. you know, that's a great thing about these jobs. Oh, I really can't tell you. I knew you. you were going to say. I don't know why I even asked the question. Every, yeah, I mean, every really. designer answers the same way. But Actually, I'm gonna, I am going to tell you. Okay. Worth, you know, I've, I've been very skeptical about car design as a type of project for the team. First of all, because I know how it's done and I know when it's being done right or wrong. And I also know that where I want to go with car design isn't really where car manufacturers want to take most of their work. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can help them with the stuff they're doing, and I do that. I have a number of clients, which are just regular OEMs for that reason. But to actually design the car with my own team, this is something that we have only taken on recently as an assignment. And that's, in fact, what I'm doing right now. Um, it's a project that we'll see how far it goes, uh, whether it becomes a real car or not. We're excited by it. And uh, along the way, we did a project which was kind of a uh, setup for it, which you might call On Beyond Gina. Ah. And this was a project where we, we wanted to see, first of all, how could you... Um, create a methodology which creates projects like Gina. Mm -hmm. And once you created the methodology, how far could you take it? And where where the boundaries were, if there were any? And how, how would you actually explain it to people and show it to people? Well, we did, we did this for three months, and it got so exciting, but it also got very expensive. Eventually, the, the client pulled the plug mm -hmm. because it was running up a huge bill. And, you know, you can kind of empathize with that. Sure. Uh, but it was really fascinating what it created. And along the way, one of my uh, colleagues in it is a, was a design director who had been in the business for 30 years like me and is really, really somebody who I respect. And I had asked him to, to take on a particular assignment in it. And he had said yes to me, but 
I immediately said no. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll say yes because I'm polite, but I'm going to tell you no because what you're asking me to do is my body rejects. Ah. He said, I, I, everything I've been trained as a designer is not that. It's the opposite of that. What you're asking me to do is not what my body will let me design, you know, physically. And we started a whole discussion about what it means to go where you're uncomfortable. It's not embracing failure in that sense. You're seeking discomfort. You know, designers like to draw things they like. But if you only draw things you like, you wind up making a lot of the same thing because it's alike. That's where alike comes from. And as we all know from our experience with music in particular, it's the stuff that you maybe don't like immediately that after you've heard it a number of times becomes your favorite. Yes. And then later you go, I can hardly imagine I hated that at the beginning, you know, but I, okay. yes. well, it's, that's a toughie to get car designers to do, you know, anything that smacks of getting hit by the ugly stick, they want to stay away from. <laughs> yes. And in doing so, they deny themselves of the ability to learn into an experience. Mm. And so I, I encouraged my, my colleague to do this. In fact, I ordered him to get back there and do this, <laughs> but he was a real sweetie about it and immediately became sick with the flu, went into his hotel room for three days. And did nothing but but draw cars in this manner. Mm. And when he got done after three days, he said to me, I have been liberated. Now, I'll tell you, that never happened to me in my whole career. That a designer told me that they were liberated. How many times that happened to you? I don't know. I mean, it just doesn't happen. Right. And this ability to release within someone who thought they knew everything about the business, an entire side to themselves that they'd never seen. And of course that unleashed on all of us an enormous amount of of untapped creativity that just, wow, took us to great places. That was a really wonderful moment. Mm. You know, I have a huge smile on my face because my father, I mentioned earlier, is an architect, a designer. He's very creative. I went to a car show with him once and I was commenting on cars I liked. It was a vintage car show, a Concorde, cars I liked, cars I didn't like. And I was noting cars I didn't care for. And he said, why not? And I would explain why. And he said, well, maybe you're looking at them with the wrong perspective. Let's try something. And I remember he got me down on the grass, almost on my stomach. He said, how about now? And helped me look at the vehicle, the design in a different way, which in essence liberated me from my opinion. And it opened my mm. eyes to something that was so tremendous that now I had a way to look at things that I didn't care for and find something in them that I liked. So wonderful story. I like that. Oh, very sweet. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Nice. Well, here's a very introspective question. And this, I think, is going to garner a very unique answer from you. If you were a car, Chris, what kind of car would you be and why? And this isn't what you want to be. This is how you perceive yourself manifested into a vehicle? Well, I, I asked out a lot of your questions, and this is one question I left in because I thought if I do this to all my students, I should do this to myself too. You know? <laughs> Thank um, you. I, Thank I you. often have them, uh, they have to act out their cars that they draw. They have to impersonate them and, and oh, uh, do those. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, it's very, very easy for people to act like they're driving a car, but it's very difficult for them to act like the car. Yes. And then once you get through that barrier, then they, they begin to open themselves up and mm-hmm. things like that. I, I think that the idea of uh, the automobile having gone through particular ages that, that g- gives it a look and feel that we can identify with and, and put uh, terms to and say this comes from an, you know brass and steam age or this comes from uh, the chrome tail fin era or you know this comes from the, the pony car era or something like that also means that we the character that we assign to them 
is an extension of ourselves. It's, it's not a surprise when we say James Bond drove a lot of cars that were not James Bond in the whole series of the films, but a few of them really were James Bond. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I, I can remember doing this presentation uh, with uh, a bunch of car designers, and we looked at, over the years, all the different vehicles that have been associated with that movie franchise and how very few of them really stood out as being a perfect match. Mm. You know, Lotus Esprit, for instance, with Roger Moore was a real wonderful exception to the general rule because at the time, the way James Bond was being portrayed with, with Roger Moore, that the match was really perfect. Mm -hmm. And there are other ones that just didn't match at all. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it's wrong to ask uh, myself of a question like that as well. The problem with it is I'm going to say that I'm going to be all cars of, of all times <laughs> in some way, shape or form because I, it's as difficult for me to get handle on my personality as it is my own personality as it is for me to say that that this one car stands out above all the rest in my life. I also avoided those questions with you, as you notice. Yes, you did. <laughs> so, so growing up as I did, I would say that any of the cars from the muscle car and the pony car era would be the ones which, I, my, in my secret internal uh, desire, I probably wish I was seen as. Mm -hmm. And in my later, more mature years. I would say some of the, the great Italian cars, whether they be sports cars or whether they be uh, production cars for, for the masses like the Fiat Uno of Giugiaro or things like that, I would say I would love to be thought of in those terms because there's a certain amount of rational perfection about all those, mm. despite the fact they're very emotional. They're oh, very, yes. very emotional. And now as I'm, let's say I'm in my peak year, we're going to put it that way, <laughs> uh, in my peak years, I start looking at cars that came about around 1905, 1906, and I say, you know what's so wonderful about those? Those cars are completely intuitively authentic. The people who were doing them had no references whatsoever. They right. just did what they thought was correct. You know, it, it, the doors that open backwards on cars we call suicide doors, and for a long time they were illegal. But if you look at vehicles from that age, they all had those kind of doors because right. that somehow made sense. Mm -hmm. And there's things like that that I, I find that I now look to myself and I hope that, that the things that I do in my life are authentic and intuitively correct. Yes. Nice answer. <laughs> you dodged it, but you, you didn't. So, <laughs> so that's okay. I liked it. Well, Chris, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people. But what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimball.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. Okay, Chris, we are back and we're entering the last lap. And I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle. So, are you ready? Okay. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? And I'd love to hear who it was from. Well, it was a great one from Boyka Boyer who uh, taught me to uh, bend over and look between your legs if you want to understand a wheel arch correctly. I don't know if you've ever done that. <laughs> yeah. I really wouldn't advise you to do it at car shows. <laughs> yeah. uh, I tried to do it once when I was BMW design director and the head of PR grabbed me immediately before anybody photographed me with my head between my knees. Uh, but, uh, yeah. That's, uh, if you really want to understand them correctly, that's how you do it. Okay. Okay. Looking at it upside down, right? 
Yeah, um, like any time you destroy your frame of reference. Yeah. But with cars, since they're such big objects, they're kind of difficult to flip around. So it's better you flip around. Well, it's like what my father did. Got me down on my stomach to look at a car from the ground level. Very different perspective. So very similar. I'm going to try that, though. I'm going to do that. I'm sure my friends will look at me with their eyebrows raised. I'll say, hey, Chris Bengal said it's cool. So there you go. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has helped contribute to your success over the years? Um. I think it's a very good habit to um, check yourself in any type of situation and say, right at this moment, I'm going to look at myself from outside and see what's happening here. Mm. So uh, to do this on occasion is good, but to do it habitually is something I think I've kind of meshed into over the years. So I, that's a good habit for me. Uh, but basically, all my habits are bad, so I don't know why I should have one good one. But if that one works, <laughs> it works for me. I think it could work for other people. As long as it works. How about a resource? I know there's a lot of them out there. But is there one in particular you think the Cars Yow listeners being automotive fans would find interesting and enjoyable? I like to, to reference my, my teammates uh, as that. And, and maybe this is one of the things that, that people just don't do enough is we, we don't talk to enough other people about what they're thinking and what they're seeing in the world. Uh, or if we do, we're just using it as filler time before we talk to them. And uh, I think in particular, the best resource is people who are inexperienced and uh, naive about things. And you just ask what they just straight out think. And from that, can come an amazing set of insights that if you're really good at it, you can you can pull something out of that. If you do it, just ignore it by saying, oh, these people don't know what they're talking about, you're going to miss a, maybe a core element of what's really happening inside people. Yes. Ah, wonderful. I like that too. Now, how about a book? Again, there's some great books out there, but is there one maybe you've read recently that you think the Car Shadow listeners would enjoy cracking open? There's a fantastic book on car design. Again, I'm kind of a car designer guy, so <laughs> you, it's my, my culture. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, as opposed to just on cars. But there's a book on car design that I reference to all my my colleagues, my students, and I would love to give it away if I could get enough copies of it, but it's hard to get nowadays. It's a book called The Nude by Sir Kenneth Clark. Mm. Uh, it's based on a set of uh, lectures that he gave, I believe, in the late 40s, early 50s. And uh, it's been around since then as a book. Mm-hmm. It, it's a book about uh, the nude in art uh, in the whole world, but in sculpture and in painting. However, the cool thing about it is this. If you take the word nude out and write the word car in, the book is perfect. Ah, it yes. matches 100% of what we as car designers are trying to do. We're trying to express energy. We're trying to express pathos. We're trying to express passion. We're trying to express eroticism. We're trying to express romance. We're t- trying to do lots of things. And we're working with surfaces and form and balance of light and shade and hold your eye onto a surface and keep a proportion uh, ahead of you and all kinds of things like this. Just Taking out those words and putting in the word car for anybody who's at all interested in car design, this is an eye-opener, believe me. Yes, I received that book when I graduated from college. I studied design. I'm going to go pull that off my shelf. I've not looked at it in a long time, but I'm going to look at it through those eyes. I appreciate that. There's a particular set of quotes at the beginning I'll refer you to. And this is where he talks about the difference between naked and the nude. And he refers to the fact that the Gothic artists really couldn't draw naked people. They could draw great rabbits, you know. <laughs> yes. You know, Dürer could draw a great rabbit. Mm-hmm. But when it came down to drawing people without their clothes on, they really failed at it. Mm-hmm. And the reason, he says, is because the nude is not, it's not just an art form. It is an idea. And if you don't have the idea in your culture, you, if it's not assimilated, you can't do it. And this is what the difference is between car design and a car. We're not drawing the outside of an automobile. We're embracing an idea here. 
And this idea is beyond just the form and figure, which is why a lot of people who are not inside car design don't understand what it's all about. It's an idea. Excellent. I'll make sure I focus on that. Well, listeners, you can find links to all these great resources Chris has been so kind to share on his very own show notes page with the walking arch at carsyad.com slash Chris Bangle. All right, Chris, this last question I have for you has to do with what you're doing today and the range of design projects that your company works on. Could you share just a little bit about what someone could expect if they came to your facility, came to your association and asked you, what can you do for me? Uh, thank you. Uh, it's a good moment for the, for the PR of uh, CBA. Yes. Uh, a lot of our, our customers have been attracted to us because they know I represent, uh, let's say, an innovative point of view. Uh, I have a lot of experience in the industry for, with management and understand how corporate culture works. But at the same time, I think the track record shows that if you apply a, a certain amount of courage and a certain amount of, of authentic fort, fortrightness in it, you can make great things happen. And and it's nice that people are attracted to that sort of concept is what we try to provide them. Uh, generally, we're, we're very, very um, honest with our clients and really want to understand them. We don't call this Chris Bangle Design. It's called Chris Bangle Associates because we consider the client as, as the major state stakeholder in the product and his engineers are, his marketing people are, everybody who has an interest in it is an associate in the process. So we want them to feel that. But in doing so, we ask them lots of questions about what they do. And sometimes they're tough. They're really rough questions. Mm -hmm. Um, There tends to be a little bit of hemming and hawing in the world when it comes down to the real reasons why people, companies, projects work the way they do. But we like to get to the nitty gritty and that way we can help you the most. I think uh, the projects we've worked on, which range from, oh, we did a nursing home concept for an old folks home in Hiroshima, Japan. How about that? That oh was my, really challenging. Oh my gosh, wow. Yeah, that was super challenging. I don't think I've, I've ever worked on a project that was as intellectually challenging as that one. To uh, super yachts, to uh, household appliances, to um, let's say wearable electronics. Uh, for three years, Samsung was our major client and we had all kinds of stuff with them. Uh, everything from televisions to, to uh, you know, refrigerator stuff and mm-hmm. that kind of thing and, and phones. So uh, the, the breadth of what we do here is very, very broad. Um, we have a core team, uh, but usually projects require that I bring in experts from the outside from my network because there's always some unusual aspect to it that I think, you know, this guy here would have a really good idea on this. So it's a very flexible team. People like to come here. We're totally off the beaten track. Yes. And in that sense, it's easy to get to, but you're out of your comfort zone when you're here. Uh, it's really wonderful, very inspiring. But at the same time, uh, you got to work to get, get your head around things here. Yeah, you're south of Turin. About how far? Uh, it would take you about 45 minutes to get here in a car. Okay. So the airport you fly to from, from anywhere. Yeah. Uh, and then and, and you come get you or something like that. But we do things here, uh, for instance, uh, to talk about uh, management training, we might have people do giant paintings. We've done uh, huge uh, two-meter paintings with, with clients here because in the painting process itself, it's, it's quite revealing. Wow. And uh, we do what we call voodoo workshops, which are – Super intense. In one week, we deliver everything. In three days, we deliver everything. And by that, I mean running prototypes, uh, engineering, uh, design, marketing stuff, etc. But it's it's very rough, but exactly what you need to understand uh, the answer to the problem. And in that way, you, you've gained a huge amount of time in your process that allows you to refine that at a much uh, calmer pace because you already know where you're going to go. Wow. <laughs> Sounds so exciting. Absolutely brilliant. Well, Chris, you have taken me on an awesome ride today. And I want to thank you for sharing your journey with 
the Carjow listeners and with me. Could you offer us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset? Well, it's, uh, I think the, the world has always been about involving people and getting them to feel enfranchised. That's what I try to do with my team, with our clients, uh, with our products. That we, we really want people to understand that this is being done not just for them, but with them and because of them. And that at the end, it is them. And if car design has that as its core philosophy and mantra, I don't see any reason why we can't all express that in everything we do. Absolutely. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you? Is it your website? Yeah, just come on to uh, uh, CBA. Um, uh, there's always a contact. If you write to contact, goes right to me. So okay. I, I usually wind up answering everything. There you go. Well, listeners, you can find links to everything Chris has been so kind to share at carsyad.com. Just type Chris in the search bar. That page will pop up with all of these links. Chris, thank you for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your life and your experiences with the Car Shout listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.